Hello everyone, my name is Monica Gleberman, and you're listening to Silence On Set Podcast. Let's do it. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with the first question. So obviously, watch the movie. It's a big departure for you, Brian, in particular, because I've seen a lot of your work. I was curious to find out from both of you, what causes him to snap? Is it a combination of everything that's going on in his life, the pandemic, the family situation, the students, or do you look at one particular moment? So as an actor, do you look at one particular moment to be like, this is where he turns? And then as a director, did you look at one particular moment? I don't think there was one particular moment for me. I think, honestly, it was just the the combination of things. And then I think ultimately just being left alone, being left to his own devices and uh, not having anyone there loving him and helping him through everything. I think he just spiraled out of control being left alone. I think all of it together. I think um, the the divorce, his daughter, you know, teaching on Zoom. Um, and then he started drinking and stuff like it just started, it all sort of combined and, and made him who he was by the end, which was unfortunate because I think I think a lot of people have the ability to go there mentally uh he just didn't have anyone to keep him from going there physically which was which is the boundary you know we've all been in our car stuck in traffic and been like man I just want to kill this guy who's you know driving in front of me but you don't actually do it um but John got to the point where he was like I I will (laughs) I will I will kill the person in front of me and nobody's telling me that I shouldn't so why not? And then Nick, how did you feel like in terms of directing it? Did Was there like a certain moment that you really wanted to press on to show that he, that he uh-huh. turned in it? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the tipping point for me was when uh, he was overhearing the Zoom calls and made that decision to uh, show up at the school, obviously with real guns on top of the paintball gun. But, you know, like Brian said, it was, it was kind of everything that built up over time, you know, him losing his his family and not being able to see his kid and COVID and all the pressures of just life period. So. And then I wanted to also ask, it's kind of related for, again, for both of you, there's so many layers in this film too. Like, it's not just like, Oh, he just suddenly snapped. There's, there's COVID the pandemic, what it feels like to be alone, what it feels like to be away from your kids. Like just like so many things, mental health issues, right. Um, Not being able to seek help, like all of these various things. Absolutely. I mean, I think we wanted to show that, you know, him being a teacher as well, like, you know, teachers are people that we look up to and kids look up to. So I wanted to show that, you know, everybody was, um, you know, could lose it at any point in time, especially during a time period like COVID when, you know, the world hasn't been through that before. Everything shut down. So um, having everything shut down and, and, you know, Brian's character, like really shutting down to the point where he didn't have like family support friend support things like that and then also feeling like he's lost everything in his in his world you know his his child and and his wife and stuff so um i think you know we wanted to show how fragile that is when it comes to mental stability i think i think for me um reading the script and just kind of working on it as an actor i one of the methods that i use the most is i really try and figure out um why why things are happening in the scene, why somebody was saying certain things, why somebody is responding a certain way. And 
And the script was really well laid out where once I really started doing that work and I started figuring out, like really reading and, and trying to figure out what was going on, um, it all just made sense. Like it was, there were just all these little moments and these little things you would hear and these little things you would see that just kind of were triggers in, in one way or another. And then hearing the kids on the, on the Zoom call and all that was just kind of the final straw for him. I'm just feeling like it's time to uh, move forward in life. And the only way I'm going to do that is to end up with this student that I think loves me as much as she, as, as, you know, as I love her. And so he goes, he, he goes to the school to, uh, to accomplish that. And then when he gets to the end of it all and realizes that uh, he was, it was all in his head. And it was just something that he thought was going on and nothing she was serious about. And it's, the realization of that, you know, that scene, that scene that he has um, was talking on the phone and sees his daughter and, and, and he's, he's sitting in the, um, in the front office of the school is really for him. I, I really have the sense of, of the reality of it all hitting him and realizing that there's no going back now at this point and thinking that she had, escaped this was kind of the last the last call to uh to his daughter and his ex-wife and just to the world just the chance for him to say i love you and, and you know don't ever don't ever forget that and, don't, and make sure that no matter what you tell my daughter that she always knows how much i love her. so it was all these little pieces that really added up to what the story became and, and nick had a lot to do with that and um and, and tom uh, the, the the writer had a lot to do with that and then sometimes things would happen and it was like oh let's just go with that that just felt right in the moment so we kind of built on that um on that experience all right so my question is for both of you um what was it like filming during the pandemic i was gonna and... ask because you were so quiet <laughs> <laughs> I had to mute myself. I was going to ask when you were going to I'm the big mouth one, so. Okay. No, we both are. We both are. Girl. Yeah, we both right. do have big mouths, but I always start so off You first. just made a conscious choice of just being a quiet one. <laughs> I did, I did. Okay, so what was Sorry. it like filming? Sorry, what's your question? Um, what he doesn't want to like know, Mariana. He doesn't want to know your question. Stop it. He doesn't. No, no I do. I told him. Yes, he does. Go ahead, go ahead. All right, so what was it like filming during the pandemic and you know this is like for both of you like as an actor what was it like filming and then as a director what was it like filming yeah it was it was um i mean there the the covet protocols for being on set are are insane i mean we were getting tested every couple days um it was we really had to limit the amount of people that were on set but then also shooting this um, was just strange in itself. I mean, we, we shot, was it three weeks at the school? Two weeks? I don't even remember. Three weeks, yeah. Three weeks, nights. So we would shoot from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. I'm not a night owl anymore. Like I'm, I'm 48 and I know it. So I'm usually in bed by like 8.30, 9 o'clock. I, just to like really paint the picture for you on New Year's, I celebrate the ball dropping in, in New York on television. Um, that, no. that is my name. Yeah, nine o'clock here. I'm like, hey, happy new year. Okay, good night, everyone. <laughs> um, so shooting, shooting during COVID was a little strange, but the schedule that we shot what, is what really made it strange. I mean, to be in a location as big as a school uh, that was empty, it was completely shut down. 
they weren't they weren't having any classes there was nothing going on when we were there so we could we could shoot leave the stuff that we had set up um overnight and get there the next night and continue to shoot like we didn't have to tear anything down or prepare the you know the hallways for the class the kids to come the next morning and then it was dead silent i mean from 6 p.m to 6 a.m it's there's no cars on the street there's no planes in the sky there's no helicopters there's no anything so it was completely quiet in the hallways which which honestly became fun for me because it was like i could make the smallest little noise and people would react to it so then it started becoming a game for me of like oh man i can really mess with people like in really simple ways yeah. um so it lent a lot to uh to what we were shooting and, and really on on a crazy level made it fun i mean for me it was kind of bittersweet because we were in the middle of COVID, so everything was kind of shut down everywhere and you know people weren't getting together like they normally do and school was out and shut down everything so you know the, the hours were really rough like you said uh, you know shooting all night long and then obviously COVID testing every couple of days and we were worried about if somebody pops up with COVID, that 6 p.m to 6 a.m shit is no fucking joke man it yeah really, it was tough like because you i would get back to the hotel afterwards and i knew like okay i need to get some sleep um before work tomorrow night and just couldn't i just couldn't get my brain to do it so i would end up wandering around sacramento which was half closed because of covid so yeah. i was just wandering the streets like you know i go from starbucks to starbucks to starbucks just because i there was there wasn't much to do yeah but at the same time for me i felt like it was kind of cool because we actually got you know when you make a film you kind of become like family with everybody so yeah. i actually got to have some good times and um you know be with the same team pretty much every day and hang out and have lunch dinner breakfast everything all together you know so um it you know it beats sitting at home staring at a, a monitor watching some high school kids right <laughs> was it more yeah. intimate to film during covid i don't know if covid made it more intimate than just the schedule and what we were shooting did i mean i think that for me at least that's what went the most to really feeling like a family when we were there it was so insane everyone's going delirious but together so it was like we were all kind of sharing in the craziness of shooting something um like that which i think lent itself to what we were doing nick would have crazy ideas because we were all like sleep deprived and it was just surreal being um being in school hallways you know, by ourselves. Totally, yeah. It's the only time I drink coffee. I don't even drink yeah. coffee on a daily, but I did during. It was, you know, it was weird though. I I noticed um, because I'm not used to working an entire night like that consecutively until the sun comes up. Like every once in a while, you would do a night shoot on something. You would think like, oh, just drink coffee to stay up on that. But you start finding yourself really timing it out. Like, oh, it's two okay, I'll go drink a coffee now because that will take me to 4.30 without having like a crazy crash. Like you you start planning out what yeah. you're going to do to uh, keep yourself alive for that 12-hour period because you have to. You can't, you can't just go in and go, hey, I'm just going to drink some coffee now because then all of a sudden you're crashing at like 11.30. Mm -hmm. like, oh man, it's only 11.30. Like, there's no way I'm going to get through the rest of the night. So you would have to start pacing out what you were doing well i i understand that because i'm 
35, going to be 36. Uh, so like we're clo- close in age. Close we're not. <laughs> I knew he was going to say that. So, He's like, no, I'm older. I'm, I, my birthday's coming up next Friday. I'm going to be 49. So I'm one year away from 50. So don't, you, you can't. Well, okay. Listen, I'm, turning I'm, not, I'm, I'm not going to accept you trying okay, to. Okay. Well, I'm, thir- I'm turning 36 in December, which yeah. is kind of like 40, almost okay. 40. Happy birthday. <laughs> take it. <laughs> well, you don't look that age, so it doesn't matter. I, it's all how I you feel look. That age. Right? So. Thank you. But I was going to say, did you guys, all right. So that schedule for me would be insane. Cause I'm like you too. I'm like, ball i'm a new yorker i live in new york so the ball drops and i'm like yeah cool it's on tv like you know i'm like the same i don't i'm too i go to bed early i'm working like crazy hours so did you start getting like slap happy and then trying to have to refocus and go wait a minute this is so far from my character hold on a second and kind of put yourself back in yeah yeah. we would have like giggling fits at points and it was we were going uh mad you know i mean three weeks of nothing but nights and then you would have a weekend off, but it wasn't really a weekend off because you wouldn't get home until Saturday morning at six. And then you would have to try and go to bed at, at some strange time on Sunday night to get there. Then for Monday night to sh- it was so weird. So it wasn't, yeah, we, yeah. I, I went the stuff uh, for sure. <laughs> I don't know about Nick because Nick was on set most of the time setting everything up. So yeah, I don't think I slept very much at all during that period. Maybe a couple hours here and there and came I back. Did. I timed out my coffee. It was like 10 p.m. right when Dutch yeah. Brown was about to close. And then another right. coffee like 3 a.m. So I used to send like PAs to Dutch Bros like right before they closed at 10. And be like, get me a coffee like immediately right before they close. You guys should literally have them sponsor. You should tag them in all of your interviews so that they give you guys some money to sponsor See, I like, you. Yeah, I like your idea. I like where your head's at. <laughs> Yeah. I'll, I'll tag it. I'll tag it. I know you're not big <laughs> on social, Brian, because every time I watch your Instagram, you're always so cute. You're like, sorry, I haven't been on for a while. Hi, everyone. <laughs> and I'll, so I I'll tag no you. I have no idea what I'm doing. And Sharn is so good at social media. Like she, because she posts of content and she's got all these companies that she works with and she's really good at it. And I'm like, I. No, but your videos understand. are good though. Like you, I understand the difference between a story and a. I don't. It's I, none of it makes any sense. Reels and stories, and I know everything's crossing over into reels now. And I'm like, why? But I, from what I've heard, they last longer than stories, right? Those are only 24 hours. Mm-hmm. She'll teach fun. you. No, but you do a good job because I I have seen you come on and like you'll say like you know I haven't been on in a while and you're always so cute and you're like sitting and talking, giving updates. And I, but my favorite obviously is when Sharna tapes you without you knowing, because like then your reaction is one of my favorite. She does it all the time. He gets so mad. Like you, you, you can see where he's either like pissed or he's like, I'm trying to not look like I'm pissed off that you're taking my video (laughs) right now without me looking. That brings me so much joy when she catches you doing stuff like that. It's like we'll be driving in the car and I'll look over at her. And she's holding the camera up and it's like, motherfucker, you're we're filming right now, aren't you? Oh, and you then, and then she just right? posts them. Like, she doesn't show me back and go, hey, how do you feel about this one? It's like, you know, sent. <laughs> like, it's, but you everybody know what? gets but to it's see it. it's good, though, because you're not that active on there and people love you. So, like, when I read the comments, everybody's asking about you. Like, everybody will say, how's he doing? What's he doing? What's his latest project? So, I mean, it's not bad that she's filming you. No, like, it's not. It. It's not bad at all. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, I'm. Uh, it, it's completely out of the norm for me. Yeah, we I love your new stroller, man. 
Do you? Yeah. Good. Oh, she posted that. We were on a walk today. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I'm glad you like it, Nick. Yeah, this, is, this is how we get Brian updates. You know, you don't even have to text him. Just go on there. We can see no, just follow you know, Charm. Going on. It'll all be there. Um. So I wanted to ask you also. You know, obviously because this role is so. I don't, I wouldn't want to, I don't want to say it's so different for you because I feel like an actor, you know, there's like ranges in them and I've seen a ton of your work that you've done in the past. Um, but for you, what drew you specifically to this character? Because it's so dark and I think sometimes it can be hard to find a, a redeeming quality or a way for you to rationalize that right. this guy is a normal person like to you, cause he doesn't think he's crazy. So yeah. how do you process that on your end? That's a big thing for me, just in characters in general. I, I don't like when I watch films or, or television and somebody is playing an evil character that is just like mustache twirling like a bad guy. Like I always like people that, that have an absolute reason for what it is they do that they 100% believe in. Uh, you may watch it and go, that person's insane. But they still they, they, there still has to be that quality where you get it where you know you don't necessarily agree with it but you understand why they're doing it this project was cool for me because it's not it's not very often that characters or directors would come around that were really open to just allowing me to do something outside of the clean cut you know good looking guy at this or that thing or you know the the the, the doorman or the the best friend or the, it's so it was nice to have somebody um, like Nick that really just gave me complete freedom to, to do it. It was hard because I've had, I, I've had, uh, Sharn has just been, she's again, she's so good at social media. So she's, she's checking my Instagram page and she was, uh, she was looking at, at my audience on it, which is, I think it's like, almost 90%. So it's like, okay, well, that's very, yeah. Okay. So there's my audience then, you know, it's all, <laughs> that's that's all, well, so what's funny is it's normally 70 to 90 year old women. So it's, it's nice that it's, uh, that, that there are some younger ones also. Thank you for that. Um, oh my God. Every, was, every single person I know follows you and I'm, I consider myself old, but you don't so I'll take it as a compliment, but there's 20 year olds there. I mean, with the Beverly Hills rerun, all those sorts of stuff. Right, I right. mean, there you have like a full crazy range of people. So, I mean, but that's interesting well, that there was initially older. Yeah. So, so I heard, so I heard that from her and then I was like, well, man, this movie's not going to do very well for that then, because that's, if that's the audience, they're not going to want to see me with a fucking beard killing people in a school. <laughs> like that's that's straying pretty outside of what my audience is uh is i'm sure geared up for but it was it's it was really fun for me as an actor to have somebody like nick just completely trust what i was doing and i think it worked out really well in the end i mean i think it was i think it was good for the kids that, that were in the film it was good for everybody involved and it was really we were all sort of um navigating territory that was unknown and uh and we had to have complete trust in in each other when we were doing it and we did have trust and i think it paid off i mean uh, it's it felt very safe there um on, on that set to be doing what i was doing and now i'm looking forward to nick and i are working on other stuff and and i'm and i'm looking forward to doing other characters that aren't as extreme as this guy but are still 
that are still characters um, that are outside of what people are used to seeing. Yeah, I'm growing a mustache now. For this <laughs> I don't want to say exactly what it is, but um, so I hope my audience likes mustaches. <laughs> that's well, that's really the moral think- of that story. It's I like the I like what where what Nick and I are doing. Um, it's fun. It's fun because I've been acting for so long. So it's really fun to be working with somebody that is just completely gung ho and allowing me to do do what I do and trust that that as an actor I'm not going to be too crazy. And if I am, then he can rein me in, and he's good at it. He's a he's a kind person, so I don't take offense to him going. Yeah, it doesn't. Really I want to push Ryan too. I, I want to push his his characters out there a little bit more. You know, like. The biggest thing on this movie that uh, most people said was, you know, when they watched it, they forgot he was David Silver in 90210. And <clears throat> that means we did our job, right? And he did his job, especially. So, you know, I, I want to push Brian in more films coming up and different characters. So when you watch the film, you actually get really caught up in the character and you're not looking and going, hey, that's just Brian Austin Green from 90210, right? So, and really just pushing the envelope um with him as an actor because i really feel like him crossing into like film heavily i I think he has what it takes to really you know be a uh you know a leading actor in multiple films and not you know a lot of people look at him as like like a television actor and so i I think that brian is completely ready for like taking on some major roles when i was watching it i did not see david silver I also haven't seen him for a long time because I, again, I've seen like a lot of your films and I do think that has kind of gone away, but I was watching it with someone just to kind of like back up what Nick said. And this is a testament to both of you. I was watching with someone that is like 20. She's watched reruns, right? The whole thing. So she heard your name, right? That's the auto pull in to watch the movie. We're watching it and we're like halfway through and she's like, um, so who's that one that's playing the guy, the teacher. And I go, that that's who who you were just talking about. You were just saying you wanted to see Brian Austin Green front. You know, he was the one that played David Silver. You were just talking about that. No clue that that was you. And she was so like, great. no way. And she was like freaking out. And she was like, you like the the mannerisms, the the look, the walking, yeah. the way you talked, like just everything that you did and all the little nuances. Nick, all the stuff that you threw in there, the silent moments like the way you shot it where you could hear him and it's like in darkness. I don't know what it was. It was a mix of all of that. No freaking clue. She had no clue who like, and it, she was actually laughing. Cause she was like, I was just binging it like the other day. I'm like, well, I was like, there you go. Like that's, I was like, he's just gone in it. And that, and I was like, now check out the Connors now check out. And I started like listing other things and I'm like, go watch all these other things. But <laughs> yeah. So you completely Thank disappeared. You. So you guys did it. Yay. Right on. Beautiful. Anything about the character this kind of could go for both of you guys. Anything about the character that you could relate to? I feel like everybody can relate to the character. Yeah, right? I can relate to all of them. Um, I, I mean, I can. I, I think that's an easy. I think it's easy when you're going through uh, difficult situations to not make the responsible, loving choice, and instead to just sit back and just be pissed at the world for what's going on. I think anybody can do that. I definitely don't think they should. But there was. There's nothing um, outside of killing people, I guess, that uh, that was really shocking to me about this guy. I mean, uh, you know, if you if you mix those ingredients, um, 
being solitary, just alone, not having uh, friends or family around you, um, alcohol, um, divorce, uh, you know, the loss of, of, a, of a child being around and all of, all of those ingredients, I think, can make for a very toxic situation for anyone. Um, I think the only, I think the biggest difference between people is how they uh, how they deal with those. I always say that the only control that I feel I have in life is who I choose to be while living life. Because there's tons of things that happen there. It's tons of highs and tons of lows, and you go through all gamut of of experiences. But who do you choose to be while going through all of that? Do you want to let things really affect you and do you want to you know just sit around and complain about them and, and be upset and 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 or feel guilty or you know, all of these emotions that are really just wasting so much time compared to um going through something and going man that, okay well that sucks so what is there i've got to find the positive in that somehow um what choice do i have i'm not going to wallow in the negativity of it and how sad i feel because i'm not going to accomplish anything what about um did anything resonate more with the addition you know of your new of the new kid i mean not she wasn't sharna wasn't even pregnant at that point i think my kids just in general uh, i have i mean along along the lines of that of what i was just talking about and in, in really choosing to be the person that i want to be through it all that phone call scene i really had my kids in mind um because you know, I ultimately, the only thing that I'm going to leave at the point when I walk off this earth is the legacy of who I was to them and the people around me, you know, not this stuff. It's like, oh, people, it's cool. People can go back and watch the Connors or this film, or, you know, 90210 or Sarah Connor Chronicles or all that kind of stuff. And, and, but that's not, that's not really the important thing. I mean, I, to, to think of my kids talking to their kids about their grandfather and what a cool guy he was and what he accomplished in life and what he did and what he meant to the people around him. That holds so much more weight than, than the projects and the things that I do. I don't, I don't really work for that reason anymore. I I'm lucky enough to, I enjoy what I do, but I just want to work to create the opportunity for more work. I just want to be able to do this uh, for the rest of my life, if I can, just to continue to make money, to spend time with my family, spend time with Sharna and, and, and the kids and, um, and really enjoy, enjoy ourselves. Um, Cause I'm not, I'm not going to die with any of it. You know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to get to take it with me. So it's, I would rather enjoy it now and have, have, all the experiences that I can make with, with my family, the best they can be. Live the little moments. That's it. Yes. Every day. The little moments. Those are the important ones. It's mm -hmm. not about the quantity of time. It's the quality of it. Exactly. And I find that interesting because when you, and maybe it was subconscious, but, and it also Nick, like, you know, it could have been you, I don't know, like, and I could ask you about that scene, but in particular, there's, you feel bad for him in the beginning, but after kind of things start unrolling, the only real scene after that, that you're like, oh, is when he calls his kids. So he's calling his kids with the idea of, I don't want my legacy to be what you're going to hear about me. Right. Cause you're clearly going to hear stuff after this whole thing happens. Yeah. So for you just talking now, just as a dad, 
you don't want your legacy to be like, oh yeah, I did these movies and this is my name and people knew who I was. I want my legacy is I was a great dad and that's what I want people to remember me for. So do you think like subconsciously when you were making that phone call in that scene, it comes off so genuine and so heartfelt and you can tell he's like holding it in and that, you know, it's clear that he's not all lost it. You know, he wants to talk to them and he wants to make sure that he, like she knows that he loves her that maybe you guys parallel in that way. Maybe. I mean, I'm not, I, I honestly, I was going through tons emotionally when we were shooting that. So I, that absolutely could have played a part in it. I mean, I, I think in just trying to remove myself as much as possible and think about that situation through the character's eyes, I don't think he wanted the last time that he spoke to uh, his daughter to be when he saw his ex in the parking lot and she was in the back of the car. Uh, you know, I think there was, I think he had done all of everything he had done at the school. And then you have, and then he thought that uh, Sadie had gotten away and he's just left with himself at that point. And it was sort of the, I felt like it was kind of the unraveling and the final breath and letdown of a crazy fucking night. I mean, it's got it's to be crazy um, to fall so far off, off the cliff that you end up doing what this man did. You know, like chasing these kids around a campus and killing them. There's, that's, that's a real, to really put yourself there, that's an unbelievable experience. So you have to... It's got to be like, you know, an athlete or, or an entertainer in any way. You, you do something amazing and then you get to the end of it. And you're just left by yourself again. You're like, I can't believe that I just went through that. So to then call and see his daughter again, I think was that was that drawback to reality for him. of like, oh, man, I like I don't ever want anything terrible to happen to this little girl. I love her with every bit of who I am. And so there was that glimpse of that, you know, and then, and then of course, once he heard Sadie, then he, I think snapped back into, into his own narcissistic, selfish behavior and, you know, ended up on the football field with that, that scene. I'm sure there was a lot of myself that, that I used in that scene, but I don't think uh, consciously, I don't think it was like, you know, I'm going to draw on this. That's really going to help me in this moment. I think it just, it just naturally did. I don't know how, I don't know how to block all of that out, block yourself out completely when you're on set doing stuff. I mean, I think it's still something I'm learning. I mean, I've been doing this for a long fucking time and I feel like I've, like, I'm still just barely learning what it is I'm doing and I'm, I'm experiencing new things and I'm going, Hey, that really worked. And then you do some stuff and you go at it, but it's, you know, it's, you gotta, you gotta try try things um, to see what works. When you guys watched that scene and, and he called uh, his daughter, did you feel for him? Like, did you, did you really feel yeah, for him? Yeah. Well, that, that's what I was going to ask you too. Like, yes. So when the movie starts, I, I totally felt for him and I couldn't relate and understand it. And then when, you know, you, I get the intent of what happens in the school. I don't understand it as mm -hmm. a person, right? Like that's not something right. I do, right, yeah. pretty, but, like, but I understand, pretty. right. But I understand the intent of the reason behind it. Right. But I thought it was such an interesting choice for you, Nick, in particular, 
to then, as all this action is going on, to momentarily pause, right? Because you could just keep going and make it really crazy and like, you know, extend it and really go over the top. And it wasn't over the top, which I think is what made it great, but to pause in that second. And so literally you've seen him kill all these people and then you chose to have him pause in that moment on that and call and make that phone call. And I went from this guy's like fucking crazy to like, oh my God, like, I feel terrible. Oh my God. And like, and like my whole body just shifted that whole phone call. And then you literally like smacked me in the face. Cause then like two seconds later, he's back, you know, doing something else crazy, you know, and you see police start arriving and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I thought it was a very interesting choice to like have that scene where you placed it, I guess, like at the point that you placed it at, but it did literally, I mean, like I flipped in a second but i was i was curious why you chose that particular moment in the film to do that i feel like that moment was really like a test for not only the audience but for brian as an actor you know so you know I, i've heard this so many times from people that watched this movie too that said you know i really felt for him when he was you know, talking to his daughter you know uh, on the phone and stuff like that at, at the end i said well you know you realize you just watched him like kill three other you know kids in a school and he was like a this you know, crazy lunatic who's like killing kids now, right? So <clears throat> the fact that you could like draw back and and start to feel for him in a different way now, like emotionally feel like, hey, he's he's human. And I can really, you know, it's touching my heart that he's calling his daughter and having this conversation and stuff with her, like not only shows, uh, you know, how great the placement was of that with the writer, but also with Brian as an actor, you know what I mean? Because that's that was a point in the movie where like if he didn't really sell that you wouldn't feel it you would be like this dude is a lunatic who cares right so the fact that you know he made that call and you know i i study a lot when it comes to actors and with brian he's just super intense when he gets into something and a character like that he's you know, I, I'll watch him in the hallway sometimes when we were filming and he'd just kind of go off on his own and like really think about how he's going to like, you know, portray himself on camera and with, you know, acting, it's not just about the lines. It's about his facial expressions. It's about the way he breathes. It's about, you know, the, the, the timing between like his breaths and the things that he says and the little twitches and the things that he does, you know, and so in that moment too when he was talking to his daughter on the phone you could see that you could see it in his body language you could see it from the way that he like took a breath and like you know took a moment to like hit hit the end button and and hang up and then like you said when he snaps and like turns and it's like all of a sudden he hears something and now he goes from like this emotional guy who's really thinking about like he wants you know he just wants the best for his family and, and his daughter to oh shit like now i've got to go like find out where this girl is she might still be here so i think you know that really um shows brian in a whole different aspect when it comes to his his acting and his professionalism so yeah he I mean, that it, role it's it's like a freaking range in 30 seconds which i don't know like brian i don't know if anyone else could have done that because to bring someone's humanity back like Nick saying after watching this guy kill kids and he's calling his own kids, it could come off like, oh, well, screw you. Why should you talk to your kid? You're killing all these, you know, but it doesn't at all. Like it just comes off Good. like you just Good. forget. It's literally like you forget everything he just did. I don't know if anyone else could have done that other than you. Uh, oh, I'm for sure. 
I don't want to act like I did something that nobody else can do. No, but I do think that thank you. We we watch a lot of movies, and I don't think (laughs) anyone could have pulled off that fast because it's such a fast scene. Your emotion changes, I think, three times, right? Like before he makes the phone call, you're thinking one thing during the call and then after the call. It's not a long scene, and the three emotions change so fast. And Nick, the way that it's directed was beautiful to have him sitting there alone. You don't know she's there. You don't see anything. It's just on him. It's just with the family. So that the way it was filmed too was just amazing. I think a lot of things happen with this film too that, you know, obviously we haven't shared with people, but a lot of craziness happened during filming and having to change locations and all different types of things that happen. I, I just feel like, you know, every now and then as creatives, like we really try to put our best work up and do the best that we can on everything that we do. But I, I feel like this film was one of those ones where the stars just kind of aligned and, you know, Brian was the right person for that, for that um, character. You know, we ended up switching schools from the original school. I feel like the school we shot this in was way better than the original school. I mean, there's just so many things that happened with this. And I really feel like that it just all kind of came together. Timing was right. So hopefully um, audience feels the same way when they see it. Yeah. All right. Well, with the phone call scene, I agree, like agree. Like it was crazy because you see this guy killing all these people, and then all of a sudden he's just talking to his kid, and you're like, Oh, I want to hate this guy, but I can't. And you just did such an incredible job. Like Thank you. you killed it. Killed I think it. it's I <laughs> literally, I think it's <laughs> I think it was really important to um find something endearing in this guy. It was you know, to go out on a note, I really, uh, they ended up with the the title change and last night and they, they marketed the whole thing as much more of like a thriller and whatever, but that wasn't going into it. That nest, that wasn't necessarily the intention. Uh, the film was always much more of a psychological thriller. And I think, you know, it, part of that is telling a story and not necessarily telling people who they should root for. So it's like, I, I love that you root for him in the beginning and then all of a sudden shit hits the wall and then you're fucking rooting for the kids. And then he's back on the desk having that scene and then you're kind of rooting for him again. And then when you finally get out to the football field, you're like, I don't know who to fucking root for at this point. Like, I'm so confused because I get her point, but fuck, he like, you know, he he's a normal fucking guy. He's done some shitty things tonight, but fuck, I really like, I don't know. I don't know whose side to choose. Yeah, I'm torn on the whole thing. And I I personally enjoy that in film. All right. So you guys mentioned you're working together. Anything yeah. you could say? Or it's secret? No, just like, what's that for you? <laughs> Come on. It's, it's, a per- it's a period thing. It Not period like, you know, 1920s. It's 1980s. This thing that we're working hmm. on. It's a true story. Something that... Uh, that actually occurred in Sacramento. So we're going to go back there and we're going to shoot a lot of stuff there, but uh, based on real people, uh, which hence the, the mustache and I'm growing my hair longer. And it's a whole, it's a whole thing. You're going to oh, have yeah. long hair, like a wig, like a whole. No, no not long, not long out. like that. It's not like, not, hair band. not yeah, not like, you know, yeah. or mullet or anything like that. Like it's, I, the guy that I'm playing is a, he was a lead detective at the time on, on something that happens. So, he had but it's the classic 80s hair like it's, yeah, you know, it's mustache, i have a feeling 
I know what this is, but I'm not going to say it, but I have a feeling I know what this is. I because Sacramento in the 80s. I have a I have a, a, an idea of what this would be. OK, but that uh, that is very exciting. Yeah, it's cool. It's a cool story. Yeah. We're going to have a lot of fun doing it. It's a crazy it's story. Be, if it's what I'm thinking of, it's, it's a, a freaking cra- crazy story. It's extremely crazy, but he's it's not a really crazy, crazy story. Yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm not I'm the killer so at all this time. <laughs> I'm so excited because the story is like insane. And so you'll be playing the detective like, but, OK, I won't I won't go into it, but people could probably okay. like look it up or whatever. But yeah. that's that's a crazy story. I'm excited. Um, it'll come out soon. <laughs> no, it'll come out like next year. Yeah, but right? the news will come out very soon. News will come out soon. Yeah. Where can people go see this film? I know you guys had a premiere in L.A., which I was super upset that I couldn't go. I really was hoping you'd have one in New York, but I know like logistics, money, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So where can people find it? It's streaming. It's on most of the, most of the platforms. I, I, I think it's on uh, iTunes. It's on um, like, if you're, if you're still doing satellite, it's on direct TV and Comcast and, and, and Amazon prime and all that stuff. Amazon prime. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Yeah. TV. Um, so that's where people can find it. Yeah. And then I always ask everybody, and like I know this is g- gonna be funny, but Nick, where can we follow you on social? Easy Ooh. at Nick Leisure. At okay. Nick Leisure on Instagram. Brian, where can people follow you? And this is also my shout at out. Nick Leisure. To be more active. You can follow Brian at Nick Leisure. <laughs> Just saying. I think I post him more than he posts himself. So I know. Well, that's what I was gonna say. You okay, I'm feeling attacked right now. It. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, but you're feeling attacked because we love your content. Your content is great when you do it. I but think that much. I I so I think people like my content because I agree. So they feel like they're getting a piece of something that I don't normally do when they do get something. I feel like if I started posting more everybody would get fucking bored of me because I it's, I'm a pretty boring individual. Like we're both like, no, no, not at all. I'm Definitely not. Yeah. But where can I tell you? Okay. Uh, I, my handle is uh, Brian at Brian Austin green. I, I think is that that's the, that's the only <laughs> one I have. <laughs> so, <hopefully. laughs> I, think so. I, I used to have an underscore, like, uh, aren't you that guy underscore thing. And then somebody <laughs> gave me a hard time about that. And they were like, yeah, just the underscores alone. Nobody's going to be able to follow you because it's a pain. I hate it when people do that. When you try to find somebody that you haven't seen in a while and, it, and their handles like X946 Jader or whatever, I'm like, I'm never going to find you. So yes, my, my handle is, aren't you that guy? Oh, yeah. There was an really underscore. Really? It's like on Instagram right now? There, no, it was. Oh, I, I was like, I started I don't on think Instagram, it was And I had an underscore in between everything be, only because people used to always come up to me and go, aren't you that guy? So I was like, oh, that's totally got to be my Instagram. I'll start posting more stuff then. Yeah, do a little, little like by little. Do a little by little. Baby steps. <laughs> Listen, we could give you we could give you pointers. You guys have project coming up that you guys are working on together, which is awesome. Yes. And it's more leading great, roles great. for Brian. Like, Those are great goals. It doesn't have you to be me direct every time, too. I think that, that Brian is is, you know, should be up for a lot of leading roles now. So I agree. I agree. I don't know why you... I agree also. I, I don't know why. For all four of us unanimously. Yes, we all agree. Thank you for listening to Silence on Set podcast. My name is Monica Gleberman. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and stay tuned for more interviews to come.